0: I've learned, you know, that different people are learning different way. This is one of the biggest things, you know, what I've learned in the past is that as a young coach, you know, you thought I will teach it this way because I learn it that way. It's not always like that. You know, we all learn different way. And to understand that, you need to understand who you're coaching, what kind of persons, but what kind of learners.
1: I'm Dan Procorian and I'm Patrick Carney and welcome to Slapping Glass exploring basketball's best ideas, strategies and coaches from around the world. Today, we're excited to welcome the head coach of the Estonian national team, Yuka Toyala. Coach Toyala is here today to discuss ideas and strategies on competing with less talent, building a youth national team program, and we talk early practice tempo, and channeling competitiveness during the always fun start, sub, or sit. Coaches, one of the best ways to help support what we do is by becoming a member of SG+. We now have coaches and staffs from over 40 different countries who are happy to call members, and they get access to SGTV's over 500 detailed breakdown video library by both ourselves, And coaches like Stan Van Gundy, Ryan Pannone, Martin Schiller, Josh Schertz, and many more, as well as the weekly deep dive newsletter, access to a private coaching community, and much more. For more information, email us at info at slappingglass.com or visit slappingglass.com to sign up today. Thanks for the support. And now... Please enjoy our conversation with coach Yuka Toyala. We want to start with winning or competing as an underdog or potentially with lesser talent. And I know you have some ideas on this, obviously, from building the Estonia program and competing against some of the best teams in the world. And so we want to just dive in right away on your thoughts on how you build and compete with potentially... Not the best five guys on the floor all the time.
0: It's an interesting topic for sure, you know, and uh, especially right now having Estonia national team, you know, I tell you guys a little bit about the history of Estonia because I was recruited 2019 here. They wanted to change something. There's a very potential youth age groups coming in. They thought, you know, that to get results, they needed to start a little bit different. And they know, and we know, you know, that we are a small basketball country. We have approximately 10,000 basketball players in the whole country. Obviously, when I got informed about this job, you know, opportunity, I was very excited. I'm lucky, you know, to be here around people who really care about basketball. Estonia is a basketball country, but it's a small country. Basketball is very important in Estonia. I would say it's a number one sport, so that's making it a little bit easier since you get a lot of potential talents coming to the sport. So when I got the team and they select me for this, you know, obviously we were in a position about being rated about 25 to 30 in Europe. The goal is to climb up, you know, steadily towards the European top. And we are underdogs for sure. And with my staff, you know, we were thinking, you know, that we need to do something different and building a national team program. We need to invest our time. We need to get our best players, you know, committed, not only during this window system, but during the summer. And we created a system, you know, where we get the best prospects youth. Each category is plus the men's national team candidates to be with us during the summer. Obviously, it's a big investment from the federation. I would say in the first summer, we got about 50 players, you know, to come and join us during the summer. It's a like, of course, one part is physical preparation, but mainly we wanted to introduce a little bit of our thoughts, you know, about how we want to play basketball. To be an underdog, you know, we just cannot copy paste everything, you know, from the best countries and think, you know, that we do this, you know, well, and we will be able to compete. So we needed to think, first of all, who we are and what we have. Obviously, if you don't have big players, you know, post players, you don't play the ball to the post. But what we found out, you know, is that we're a pretty tall team, you know, in a position wise. We have some big guys in a guard position. We have really nice bodies on a 2 3. We wanted to create a style where we have a, basically you know if you cut it to a couple words we need to have a proper spacing we need to have the ball flow and we will post up not the big guys but we will post up also some guards. that's kind of you know how we thought you know that uh, what could be our advance coach to
1: dive in somewhat tactically too do you think about the pace you know if you're going to be a little bit more of an underdog do you want a faster pace to have more or less possessions assuming that you can't play quite the same way some of these other teams
0: for sure you know we want to make some maybe somebody's thinking silly shots you know we want to have more multiple fast break shots you know what we create and we want to attack the board you know with three to five guys on a transition shots and be more active and aggressive team on offensive end so for sure you know it's not maybe the traditional european way to play you know the taking the open threes during the transition even with three to one you know if it's an open three and we have a good shooter, we will let it fly. Obviously, it took time, you know, for our the players, you know, to understand that what is a good shot and what is not a good shot. Maybe we needed to change their thinking a little bit, you know, that maybe earlier coaches in their career in the club or in the national team said that you are not allowed to take that shot. But we encourage them to take open threes in a transition. Coach, looking at it backwards, when you want to post up your bigger wings
2: or your bigger guards, what are you talking about? in terms of, you know, now the spacing around them? Because again, it's traditionally, you know, you're not your bigs aren't posting. So how do you want to space around them? And again, talking about that shot selection and the patience you want to build in with your guards and how they post.
0: Well, I think it's not a secret, you know, that many teams in Europe are choosing the transition or the basic motion offense between the traditional ball screen motion or then one popular thing is to run a flow offense. And we are running the flow where basically we have four guys out sometimes five guys out. And from there, you know, in a different starts, we are creating the space for our guards, you know, to be able to make a cut and a direct post up from there. But we want to have a really, really good spacing and some simple moves, you know, from that flow off and you know, where we are creating posting opportunities for our wing players or guards.
1: And coach, interesting, you just mentioned the to post, you know, that sometimes is a, a great action to get a guard into the post. For you, are you preferring those kinds of cuts to post-ups from, say, the wing or are you running like corner cuts to post-up? I mean, I guess, how are you looking to actually post those guards?
0: For the point guard, you know, I think the simple start, like an example is that we are starting our horns offense, you know, where we kick the ball to four or five. We have a pin down on the other side, you know, and guard is going, cutting like a fake hand under the basket to post-up. On the perimeter, you know, same type of action, you know, that we are playing a little bit like a pistol offense, you know, we give the ball to the top, you know, and we are making a card guard screen or fake cut. And uh, we go immediately to the post, either for the wing or for the guard from there. Coach, on that similar
2: note, are you looking to m- mismatch hunt as far as, okay, you have bigger guards, where is the size advantage? Will you hunt out, like you said, some guard-to-guard screens to get it? Or is it, you know, this is our strength, we're bigger guards, so if it's even size, it doesn't matter, we're still going to post them?
0: Well, it depends. Obviously, we will analyze our opponents, you know, and where is our strength and who we could post up, you know. If there's a good matchup with one, if there's a good matchup with two or three, you know, then obviously we encourage to play certain moves, do that. But it also gives us, you know opportunities to bring our good shooting fives outside just to take their bigs you know to guard them on perimeter plus it will give some advantage for us when we take the shot you know because our two threes are really good offensive rebounders so we want to invite their bigs rather you know to come out that way you know have a little advance already under the basket
1: If we could maybe zoom back out for a second and look at the defensive side when it comes to this conversation and potentially you said being smaller overall, even though you have good athletes at certain positions, how does then being an underdog and potentially having a little less talent influence your defensive decisions, say, either be more aggressive, doubling the posts, uh, whatever it would be so that maybe you can also get those extra possessions?
0: Okay. Obviously, in a national team program, you know, the time is always limited. I think we cannot create multiple defensive strategies for the windows. Summer is a little bit different, you know, there you have more time to prepare. You know, you have a chance to work out with the different ball screen uh, defenses, different post up, you know, how are we going to trap? Are we going for the baseline trap? Are we coming from the second guy? Are we going from the passer? And uh, what is the rotation after that? But the basic defense, you know, We want to be active, we want to be aggressive, full court, you know, have a ball control whenever it's possible. We want to deny the first passes. Plus, the secondary option for us is that, like I said, our two threes, you know, are pretty big. Even sometimes when we have our one, you know, with Christian Kulama, who's 190-94, you know, we are able to switch a lot. So for us, this is obviously a lot of teams is using, you know, to get the offense out of the rhythm out of the certain set plays, you know, to switch a lot. I think this is beneficial for us, for sure. Coach, I'm always curious, just when coaches switch, you know,
2: sometimes teams fall in the pitfall, it's a lazy switch, or they think it's a lazy defense. I guess, what are you always emphasizing when you're playing switch with your guys to make sure it's aggressive and effective?
0: Yeah, good point. We want to be active, aggressive, you know. We don't want to lose the pole pressure at any time. So, you know, when we switch, we want to at least show aggressive side of that. Obviously, you know, when you switch and do that, you know, you have a mismatch in a perimeter, a quick guard against a big guy, you know, then we need to do a bit settle down. But the main idea is to keep the ball pressure, you know, and to switch it aggressively also to give body for the possible, you know, rolls and everything, you know, so. And when there's a chance to triple switch to avoid post mismatches, we will try to do it also. Obviously, depend really about the opponent also.
1: Sticking on that triple switch for just a second, you see a lot with teams that end up getting a guard in the pick and roll, and then they're able to triple switch them out. Anything you've learned about teaching that over the years on how to quickly do it without giving up, you know, too much in the post or how to get that guard bounced back out to the perimeter, whether it's coming from the one side or the two side, how you help triple switch quickly.
0: I want our guard also to go over the screen. Maybe it sounds silly, but when he goes over the screen, I know some coaches prefer him you know to trust the guy guard to the screen and go under you know and start to wrestle uh, with the big guy but I want our guard you know to escort him over the screen and after that when he switches basically he's facing to the basket and he will see that is he having an opportunity to dribble switch or no and if no after that the minimum what we want is three four quarter denial we want to push the guy to the baseline side or to the corner side. You know, we are not allowing the middle catches. That's the basic version because obviously if we have a mismatch in our basic defense, we want to go for the baseline trap. So we want to deny three, four quarter minimum and push it to the baseline side. No deep catches allowed.
2: And coach, if the offense is choosing to attack through the guard mismatch, how are you trying
0: to solve then the big on the guard? When we see that there's an isolation, Let's say it's in the middle of the floor, you know, obviously we want to play. I won't say it's a handball defense, but we will have open stands on the wings, trying to cut down easy driving lanes. Here also comes the scout part, you know. Obviously, if you have a killer shooter, you know, you cannot leave the shooter so wide open. And if he loses the penetration inside the three-second area, you know, We would like to have a jumping switch from there, you know, who's helping there so that our big guy after that is ready to box out. So who's the guarding nearest the post player, you know, will jump to the penetrating lane, then the big guy is ready for the rebound. And that jump switch, switching off the post, is that something where you
2: want that guard to be aggressive, take the initiative and maybe run into it? Or is it something that if the penetration kind of comes to him then look to jump switch and get off the big.
0: We want to come to the lane, you know, we want to jump to the lane, put the body there to where if you jump, you know, first thing is, you know, just to take the contact, you know, try to take the charge. If you jump, you know, you jump laterally. You don't jump against him. You don't try to go for crazy block, you know, just put the body there, you know, and challenge the shot. Coach, maybe zooming back back
1: out for a second so we've talked a little bit how you want to play offensively defensively and some of those ideas how about now when you're talking about your player development program or building your program you mentioned taking over estonia to us you know earlier and and before off air too about taking over the program and building it from the youth all the way through how does some of these ideas and being able to compete against the top competition come into how you build the players as they're younger and coming up through the program
0: Before talking this, you know, I just want to also mention, you know, how hard it is really for us coaches, you know, that you're asking about our style of play. And especially during the season with the window system, we are trying to create a style of the play, you know, when we have our best players around, you know, what would fit us best, but during the window, you know, with different reasons, you know, you have players in USA, you have players in Euroleague, you know, somebody's injured and especially for the small country like Estonia, that We have some deepness in our roster, but we don't have uh, 50 players who are able to play in the level, so we need to obviously adjust. In a perfect world, you know, this is the way we want to play, but if we don't have big guards, if we don't have big wins, you know, then we need to play a little bit more traditional way, defense, and make some scouting decisions. But coming to your question about youth development, this is obviously one of the reasons why we selected the way we want to play, because we see our best potential future national team players, you know, there's really good bodies for future for Estonian basketball and big bodies in each position, you know. So this is one of the reasons, you know, that we want to emphasize also for the youth national teams to have the basic principles similar what we have in our men's national team program, you know, be active not to be passive in each aspect of the game. You know, is it offense or defense? We want to emphasize the main details what we have with our main national team also. And again, kind of focusing on developing
2: your players and the youth, you've mentioned that your program, Estonia is fortunate that you have good size. So in the development, And you said you want them to be active, but teaching them to use their size, like you said, offensively and defensively. What do you maybe when you're on the court working with them and helping them to understand their size and how it can benefit their game?
0: Well, obviously it comes for the practices, you know, what kind of practices, what kind of drills we want to do, you know, and how is our practice in general, you know, we need to compete. That's the first thing, you know, we need to understand and everything. If you want to play active and aggressive, there's hundreds of little competitions in the game in that mind. Like you need to be able to compete and all the drills have to be competing drills, you know, is it one-on-one, is it four-on-four? We cannot stop the drill so that we are not competing for the rebound, you know, we cannot stop the drill for one shot and not competing for the rebound. So this is one thing, you know, that if we want to play active, we need to teach them, first of all, you know, to compete and to be not scared for contact, you know, not use your body. Because it sounds silly, you know, some people consider that the Baltic people are tough, you know, and they play hard. But Estonians in general think, you know, that they are not that tough. And I agree in a small part, you know, that we need to teach them what is really toughness on basketball court. They are tough when they learn how to do it.
1: Coach, my last question on this topic is about just like the mentality aspect of, we're talking right now about being underdogs and playing against top competition, but I'm sure your players and your staff, you want to have a certain mentality where obviously you can still win being an underdog and just the mentality that you try to build into the youth and to the top team about yes maybe an underdog in certain games certain instances but still the competitiveness and still the way you want to play no matter you know who's on the other side
0: this is easy for me our young generation i'm talking about uh, 2001 Kerr krisa I'm talking about 2000 Henry Trell you know i'm talking about 99 Treyer Kulame, you know they mentality is to come to the court and they don't care who's opponent, they don't care, you know, they are coming there to fight. They will, you know, be mean for the opponent. And they really believe that we can win the games. So for the next generation, even though we haven't had a great success, you know, somehow, you know, their mentality is that we will win. This is something nice, you know, that I don't need to work on that, you know, they are maybe opposite, you know, I need to calm them down a little bit, (laughs) not to get too cocky. Just kidding a little bit, but they are they are ready. you know, they have a very high self confidence, even though, you know, we are underdogs, they are not scared. That's something it's really nice for the coaches, you know, that you don't need to have a pep talk, you know, and encourage them, you know, that we may have a chance if we do this and this. No, we don't need to do that. They know, you know, that if we play well, if we get under the skin of the opponent, you know, we have a chance. Coach, you
2: mentioned at the beginning, spacing was a big pillar. I mean, I think for every coach it is. How are you working with the younger generations and spacing, understanding spacing, maintaining space on the floor?
0: You know, it's very simple for me is first to understand how to run the floor. That's the first thing because between the free throw lines, you know, that's first thing, you know, are you able to run? Like many young players think that they are running, but obviously they are jogging. They start to look for the ball before the three-point line or even in the half court and they stop running And to have a proper spacing, you know, if you don't catch the ball on the offensive side before the three point line, run all the way to the baseline, run, make the touch for the baseline, you know, that's a proper spacing, not staying on the free throw line extended because then that kills everything, you know, if you stay there, there's no room for early penetration, there's no room for early pick and roll, you need to go all the way to the baseline. That's the simplest answer, you know, there, you know, for the youth national teams, learn to run the floor, learn to run the floor all the way. All the way in this flow offense, what we are running, you know, you need to keep the middle for the big guys. You know, if you're a wing, you know, you run on the side. And if you don't get the ball, you know, you run all the way to the corner, you know, and uh, that's kind of the first step to build the proper spacing.
2: Take it a step further. I guess if you achieve that proper space in the initial spacing, but now there's a penetration and the ball's kicked out, kind of that next step of, as of respacing, especially with the young guys who have the tendency maybe to stand and then it, you just never find that respace to get that second attack.
0: This is a very good point and this is a skill you have to work on. it. I don't see many players who or learned it when they are 14, 15 year old. You need to emphasize that, you know, movement after the pass and obviously there's Tons of different drills, you know, to do it with four and four, you know, three on three, two on two, you know, that uh, what is the movement and how to have the proper spacing and what is the right choice, you know, when you shoot, when you penetrate and when you pass. So if we want to play this type of offense where we basically have always four players outside, this is one skill, you know, that they need to learn that when they pass, you know, that there's a continuation for the movement, they can't stop there, you know and stay on the three-second area under the basket. And different models from there, you know, that what is happening next, you need to teach them for sure. My last question on this
2: thread, coach, you mentioned a couple of times with just your drills, I guess, for the younger kids or your younger generations, what do you like to use the most when it comes to kind of teaching? Two on two, three
0: on three, or four on four? I like four on four. Maybe when you have the young guys, you know, you need to start with the principles, you know, then you use a lot of one on one, two on two, three on three also. But 4 and 4 you know, when it teach some kind of system, I like this 4 and 4 because they already can notice, you know, that the wrong decisions, considering about spacing, wrong decisions. Are you shooting? Are you passing? Are you penetrating? And where are you penetrating? I like the 4 and 4 in a teaching way, you know, I think that's something, you know, I like to do. Also on defensive end. On defense, I say that four on four gives you also bad habits, you know, because teaching the rules for like pick and roll, you know, four on four is not a good way because they're basically one crucial player is missing. So I would rather teach the techniques on two on two. If we are practicing our pick and roll defense, we need to have five on five. Otherwise, you know, we are learning bad habits.
1: We're excited to partner with one of our favorite new analytics platforms, Hoopsalytics. A high-powered, affordable, and easy-to-use video and analytics system for coaches of all levels at a fraction of the price of some of the other platforms available. Unlike other systems, Hoopsalytics lets you create fully customizable events and sets and analyzes them for you through video link stats, interactive shot charts, and other tools. Zero programming is required. For a free trial and to receive a 25% discount on the product, visit hoopsalytics.com slash glass. That's hoopsalytics.com slash glass. And now back to our conversation. Coach, thanks for all your thoughts on that. We want to transition now to a segment that we call start, sub, or sit. What we'll do here is we'll give you three different topics, ask you to start one, sub one, and sit one. And then we will discuss your answers from there. So coach, if you're ready, we can uh, dive in on this first question. All right, I'm ready. Okay, perfect. So we've been talking about practice a little bit. So this first one has to do with what you would like to get accomplished in the first five to 10 minutes of a practice. So right when you start, what kind of the goals are for you? So your start here would be what you think is most important most days. So start, sub or sit to teach and review something. So maybe five on O or something to teach and review something from the day before or something new. The second is establish intensity or tempo in the practice. So some sort of drill to just get the intensity up quickly. the third option is some kind of skill work. So maybe not a team oriented thing, but something with personal development or skill work in that first five to 10 minutes.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) This also depends a little bit about what is the purpose of the practice, obviously, that we are preparing for the game or, you know, is it mid-week practice or is it beginning of the week? But generally talking, you know, that I think our physio is taking care of the proper warm-up and when we go back to the basketball part, you know, that I would like to make sure, you know, that we are in a mindset, we are ready. So the intensity part, you know, make it where you really show that we are ready to do it.
1: Okay, so the
0: establishing
1: intensity would be like your start here. So your sub and your sit, the other two, the skill work or the teaching review, where would you go with those?
0: The teaching part, actually, I would like to do it even before there's something to teach, something new, you know, tactic-wise or something. I would like to demonstrate that even before our physio is taking care of the proper. If we're bringing something new, you know, I would like to do it so that we do it in a very beginning of the practice, and then the physio is taking care of proper warm-up, and then we go back to that, you know, later during the practice. So I don't know if you got my answer, but this is how I feel it. Perfect. The pre-start.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. coach, I'd love to go back and ask you about your start establishing the intensity and the tempo early. And I guess just the types of drills that those actually are, are they more toughness type drills? Are they transition drills? I mean, how are you working to get the intensity up quickly?
0: It's either, you know, really like uh, go simple one on one, different one on one options. Or to go three on two, four on three, full court drills, you know, where we are, especially on four on three, we emphasize, you know, our spacing and on three on two, you know, also proper spacing, but sharing the ball. And also the transition from offense to defense is coming already there, you know, that uh, how to do it and how to be active full 40 minutes, you know, basically. Within these drills that you're using to establish the intensity,
2: your level of involvement, You know, is it just, are you just telling them what to do and then it's off? Or how much coaching, correction, teaching are you doing at all?
0: If we're talking about the intensity, I can stop it after 10 seconds. Okay. If I'm not happy, you know what is happening because I don't want that we are learning uh, bad habits. If you really want to play intense basketball, you need to do it every day in practice. So in that environment, you know, I would be very active, you know, and if I don't like it, you know, we will do it and start again, you know, and do it again. Obviously in uh, teaching, you know, I will give also responsibility to my assistant coaches, you know, to involve them in certain aspect of the game but especially in this intensity part i cannot let it go we don't have anything you know we just allow them to do whatever they want
1: going back to what you're talking about teaching and reviewing before your practice really starts how do you prefer to do that so you want to introduce a new concept or you want to go over something from the practice before how do you go over that and actually do that on the floor with the guys
0: First of all, if you have a chance, you know, to do it already in a locker room, in a video, you know, if there's something video material we want to show, we will do it, start the practice by doing that, then immediately walk to the court, put together, you know, these little details, what we want to achieve today in the practice, what we want to add, is it some offense move, is it some tactical change for the defense for the next game, we will do it, we will repeat it with the different lineups and just to teach the right Things, you know, what we want to do. And we will get back to that, you know, in a live action during the practice later on. Coach, we've mentioned five on five later in the practice
1: a couple of times. How do you prefer to play five on five? Is it structured? Are you putting constraints on a lot of it? I mean, how much of your practice and how do you prefer to have those guys play to learn these concepts?
0: I don't like to start in a standing situation, you know, either we start with the baseline, sideline, full court, you know, inbound starting from free throw, you know, to demonstrate a little bit what has happened during the game. I just don't want to throw the ball in, you know, and run this and that. We would like to start with the inbound, you know, let's say on the defensive end and then basically demonstrate what is happening during the game also. I don't like just to run one offense. I like to have, you know, at least three courts, maybe sometimes even more. Three courts is already something, you know, that you can build on some uh, intensity and there is this transition from uh, offense to defense and so on, you know. So when we play five on five, I think it needs to be inside our concept on defense and offense. But there is times, you know, that uh, let's say that you travel, you know, you see that the energy level is not high, you know, and you need to get your team together, you know, then maybe you stay in one end. But I'm not great fan of one-end basketball drills.
1: Coach, when you say
0: three courts, you mean
1: like transitions down and back? Yeah. Okay, perfect.
0: Coach, with the five-on-five,
1: you mentioned
2: earlier just how important is the competition for the younger generations. When you're with the younger generations doing five-on-five, managing the competition within the five-on-five so it doesn't affect whatever the teaching or the emphasis is within the five-on-five?
0: I think this is a great question, you know, in terms of like what my job is for the youth national team is obviously we will have talked with the coaches, you know, that what we want to have tactically, but also what kind of practices we want to have. This is why I want to start when we have something to teach. I want to do it in the beginning of the practice. Because I think, especially with the youth national team, you know, there's a lot of coaches who want to talk a lot. If I go to see the practice, and obviously for the kids, you know, you need to teach a lot. But many times, you know, we are seeing a youth practice or young national team practice where coaches speaking more than half of the time of the practice. So how you can practice intensity, you know, if we need to talk so much. So I think this is something what we've been talking together, you know, how we could develop our practice planning and the practice, like in general, you know, to be more intense, more competitive, to have the aspects what we want to have in our game also. Like if we want to play active and aggressive basketball and then we walk or we talk in the practice more than half of the time, it's not going to work out. So... This is something, you know, that we are working together with the youth national team coaches. Is there a rule of thumb
2: that you're talking to these coaches or helping them where, like, when to interject, maybe? If they're way off on the topic that you're trying to emphasize, then interject yourself versus don't try to correct everything. I guess kind of what's maybe a general guideline when you're sitting with these coaches and trying to get them to talk
0: less and have the players play more? If I'm rude, you know... (laughs) I was sitting watching the practice and we used the clock to see what is the part of the live action and how much is the coach talking, you know, and for him, it was a shock after 90 minutes of practice. And I said, you know, how many minutes did you actually work today? He said, I don't know. I said, 25 minutes. Rest of that, you know, your guys was walking or drinking or you were talking, you know, that, that this is not the way we want to have the practice. But I don't want to go. When I go to see the practices, you know, I'm not going there, you know, and stop the practice. I want to speak with the coaches and have them to understand also that what is intense practice and what we want to teach the kids. It's a cooperation. It's not that I'm responsible, you know, for all the practices, you know, I'm just trying to help, you know, and together we try to do things, you know, better. All right, coach, moving along, our next start subset. So in our preparation
2: research, we knew you were a player and that you transitioned from a player directly into coaching. So this one has to do with basically the hardest part of that transition from going from a player to coach in your first year as a coach. Is it the changing from a peer to authoritarian position? Is it the teaching component now being in a where you have to teach concepts, teach certain actions, or is it rechanneling your competitive nature that you had as a player?
0: Well, I'm actually a teacher. I went to study to become a class teacher in the University of Joensu and in Finland. And for me, I feel, you know, coaching is teaching. Coaching is guiding, coaching is caring, but coaching is teaching. For me, it was probably the most easiest thing, you know, jumping from the player and start to coaching. I already understand that what is coaching. I have to also thank my former coaches because they allow me to be the right hand in many ways. So I was kind of, you know, already speaking a lot during the practices and, and thinking a lot what is right and what is wrong. So I think this teaching aspect has been inside me, you know, my father was a teacher, my grandfather was a teacher, And I'm a teacher, so it's teaching, but it's also, of course, you know, guiding and caring. Then coach, between
2: the going from a peer to authoritarian position or kind of rechanneling
0: your competitive nature, what was the hardest for you, the more challenging? I think especially for me, it was really hard to be a coach because I had my former players in the team to be the guy, you know, who they have to listen, you know, we were friends. We were very close friends, you know, and to learn that we all, you know, when we start coaching, we think, you know, that we are good coaches, you know, we know everything. When I transfer from player to coach, you know, I thought I know a lot of things, you know, what I can do better than my former coaches. I learned from them, you know, and I can do this. I think the moment, you know, I understand that I don't know anything. <laughs> So it was the key moment for me, you know, to study the basketball and be, actually, this is where I'm at right now. You know, I study basketball because basketball is developing, you know, and the coaching is developing, rules are changing, you know, players are getting better, more athletic, you know. So I think that moment when I realized, you know, that I don't know shit, (laughs) to be honest, like it was, was a key moment for me, but it was really tough coming from one of the best buddies, you know, to be the guy, you know, who needs to be in charge, you know, and uh, understand what it means. I thought that everybody likes me. And then I realized, you know, that nobody likes me when I'm a coach. (laughs) (laughs) Coach, I'd like to follow up with just
2: kind of rechanneling your competitive nature. So being competitive as a player and how, you know, obviously, it changes now when you're a coach and you can't just get out on the floor and you can't compete for these guys so when you started your coaching career how did you kind of use your internal competitiveness to kind of rub off on your team or to
0: influence your team i think when you're a former player some guys are saying and they are right you know that you need to kill the player but some things you know you shouldn't kill and i think this competitive part you know is still something you know which i think the players can see that i want to win that I'm there for them, you know, I want to win. I want, we will win. I think it's just different way, you know, how I can do it. You know, I can't go there and throw the three-pointer anymore. I can't go there, you know, and play great defense, which I didn't never do, but uh, (laughs) I can do multiple other things to show, you know, that I want to compete, you know, I want to be better than our opponent. I want to do my job as a coach so well that the players understand, you know, that, we are here, you know, to compete and to win. Because obviously, this is a game, you know, where you win or lose, and there's a huge difference. You want to show your everyday work, you know, that you're motivated and you're hungry for the win, you know. And uh, so basically, it's just turned to be a different way, you know, this part.
1: Coach, I'd love to actually ask you about teaching. And you mentioned kind of the lineage of your family of all being teachers. I'm wondering if how you view teaching has changed over the course of your coaching career. We're talking about, you know, your first season and all this stuff and going from a player to a coach and how you thought about the best way to teach then versus how you think about it now and if it's changed at all or if it's basically the same
0: for you. I've learned, you know, that different people are learning different ways. This is one of the biggest things, you know, what I've learned in the past is that as a young coach, you know, you thought, you know, that I will teach it this way because I learned it that way. It's not always like that. You know, we all learn different way. I can share one example. While working with the Finnish national team, there was a player who basically didn't watch any video, didn't read any scouting report, but he learned from all the walkthroughs, you know, what we did. And he did it perfectly. He didn't watch video. He didn't watch the paper. There was a player, you know, who really needed to see all these three things, do all these three things, you know, to learn how to play perfect defense. So you need to understand that my way of teaching or how I learned is not working for everybody and to understand that you need to understand who you're coaching, what kind of persons, but what kind of learners. Like when I'm coming to Estonia, first thing I did was a test for the players. Where we are, first of all, understanding their personality, but how they behave and how they learn. And that gave me a lot of information, you know, that what kind of people we are, you know, having around, how we should work with them, you know, to get the best possible results.
1: And coach, just on that, is that something too, as you're seeing, let's go back to the youth program here and how you're teaching them as they're coming up throughout the program. Obviously, the professionals or the on the senior national team are one thing, but how players are learning at a younger level too. is that changed at all how you teach that? Or is that, you know, similar concepts, to what you just said?
0: Uh, similar, but I'm lucky, you know, that I've been working in a national team level for the men's level, but I also been working in the academy, in Helsinki Basketball Academy, one year as a head coach, you know, and I think it's a different world, you know, obviously the week program and how we do it, it's different, but also to learn. For younger guys, you need a reputation more, you know, for older guys, you know, they've been seeing already some things, you know, you just need to get back to it or something like that. But to teach a new skill or teach a new tactic, that's also like a huge difference. For the young guys, you know, you need to teach some principles, you know, how to post up, how to set the screen, how to roll. Everything is included the way how we see the basketball should be played.
1: Coach, really well said. You're off the start, or sit, hot seat. So we're done with that game. Thanks for playing with us. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. That was a lot of fun. Coach, we got one more question for you before we close. And before we do, thank you very much for your time today. This was a lot of fun.
0: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And you're doing a great show here. Pleasure to watch. Thank Thank you, Coach. We appreciate that.
1: Coach, our last question that we ask all the guests is, what's the best investment that you've made in your career as a coach?
0: That's a very, very, very good question. I think the best investment is that I went to school to study, to become a teacher, you know, because like I said earlier, I understand more about what it takes for a coach, different type of personalities and different type of people. And it's already paid me off because while working in Romania, I had eight different citizens in the team, you know, and characters, and they are all different. Somebody needs. Tender coaching, somebody needs a little bit tougher one and somebody needs yelling. So, I think this teaching, the best investment as a coach to become a better coach was going to study also to become a teacher, you know, this is University part. Other thing is that the best investment is that I just fall in love, you know, basketball and I want to see basketball every night, every day, and it's the best sport in the world, you know, and I really am happy, you know, that I'm part of this business. Thank you so much for listening
1: to this episode. Please make sure to visit slappingglass.com for more information on the free newsletter, Slapping Glass Plus, and much more. Have a great week coaching, and we'll see you next time on Slapping Glass. Do we have a name yet for this thing? I have like slapping back or <laughs> slapping glass, <laughs> slapping glass. That's kind of funny. I like That's that.
2: Good. I <laughs> slapping glass.